Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Ohio High School Hoops Around the State podcast. I am your host, as always, Kurt Stubbs. Hope everybody out there is having a good week, getting ready to head into the weekend here. Uh, For me, and I know a lot of educators around the Buckeye State, this is probably your last uh, weekend of um, summer break. We get going on Monday. Uh, Students come in on Thursday, so those guys got a two-day week before they get uh, another weekend off. So uh, school getting ready to get back into session, meaning high school football is going to get under the way and uh, high school football and then uh, high school hoops will be back in full swing. Um, Today's episode, uh, we're going to have another coach on, and this is one I've been anxiously awaiting. Uh, He just got off of vacation and uh, was nice enough to take some time out of his busy schedule to hop on the podcast with us this week. So I can't wait to get this episode rolled out to you. Um, Some other stuff going on. Um, I think a little bit maybe over a week, maybe two weeks ago, I uh, sent out a tweet with uh, a photo of a 32-team bracket, and it was uh, Division Four. It was the 32 champions uh, since the four-division inception which started back in 1988. So 32 champions, um, those were the only teams included in the bracket in Division Four. I'd like to uh, do 3-2-1 and one at some point uh, when I get some time. But, uh, man, there was some great conversation that went on with this, and I tried my best to, to uh, seed them and, and match them up. And, I mean, there's just no way to do that. So many great teams. All those teams ended up winning the state, obviously. Uh, but some really, really cool conversations, and uh, I was uh, having a lot of fun with that, just reading what people were uh, thinking and uh, just some of the memories that they brought up. And uh, I know a lot of talk about the 1991 St. Henry team, 95, Liberty Benton, 2008, New Knoxville, some of the Worley teams, um, Springfield Central Catholic, uh, just to name a few that people were talking about. So, uh, again, hoping, hoping that I can get out Division 3, 2, and 1 at some point um, here in the next few weeks to get that conversation rolling as well. Uh, other news uh, around the state. Um, Zach Fleer uh, just closed up shop on his intro. I think he uh, signed up the final four kids to that. So that's uh, something coming up here. Uh, in the next couple of weeks at Olentangy Orange High School that uh, if you are a fan of basketball, you want to head out to that. I believe it's uh, just rising freshmen. So a uh, real cool thing to do to get familiar. I know it helps Zach and his team out a lot with uh, just getting familiar with who some of the new names are going to be around Central Ohio and some of the outskirt areas. So uh, if you're around, um, I think that's in a couple of weeks, maybe three weeks, two, three weeks. Um, I'm not sure on that, but uh, I know it is at Olentangy Orange High School. So you want to get out there and check that out. Uh, So today, uh, the man that we're going to bring on today uh, is a five-time state champ. He's a 1978 grad of Miami East High School. This man was once turned down uh, for the Sydney High School head job, Um, and he will tell you a little later on in the podcast that uh, he was devastated by that. 
Um, but eventually uh, it worked out and he would take over the school that he is currently at, um, which is Cincinnati Archbishop Moeller, uh, where he has done a lot, a lot, a lot of winning and really has uh, established um, himself and his program ha has really kind of separated themselves from the rest of the pack, even the elite teams. They've really kind of uh, put some ground between them and the next tier of teams. So uh, this is a really uh, cool conversation, and uh, Coach Kramer just really does not forget much. Um, small details of games that happened 20, 25 years ago. Uh, so, again, I'm really excited to roll this out. I think you're really going to enjoy it. He is a wealth of knowledge and uh, uh, has done an extraordinary job of creating uh, Cincinnati Moeller into a basketball school uh, that when he took over was absolutely a football school and probably uh, a baseball school next when you have guys like Ken Griffey Jr. and Barry Larkin and uh, names such as that uh, before he took over there at Moeller. So um, he took over in the middle of the 1989-90 season, uh, and he has been there ever since. And like I said, uh, five-time state champion, um, multiple districts, uh, several regional appearances, obviously. So uh, I think you're really going to get a lot out of this episode. Uh, if you're a young coach, if you're an older coach, if you're just somebody that's a fan of basketball, uh, I really, really enjoyed this and taking a trip down memory lane and uh, even into present day. And uh, coaches, Coach really got to do some cool things this summer, and, and he'll talk about that as well. But um, So without further ado, let's bring on uh, current Cincinnati Archbishop Moeller head coach, Mr. Carl Kramer. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're here with the the one and only Coach Carl Kramer of the Cincinnati Moeller Crusaders. I, I like to consider him the Nick Saban of high school basketball here in Ohio now. Uh, Coach, it's been a uh, a busy summer for you. You know it has. It's it's been uh, it was a good summer. Our guys played well. We had some great things happen with our alumni, Kurt, and it, it was really a lot of fun. Tell us a little bit about that uh, that trip to uh, to watch Jackson get drafted. I, I noticed that you you were having a little hard time getting through the turnstile. <laughs> yeah, I've had a had a million people tease me about that. Barrett Cohen uh, did a good job, and uh, the whole trip was really amazing. And you know, just to watch uh, Jackson's story. You know, I've been in coaching thirty five years and have never seen, not just in our program, but anywhere, you know, a, a kid just just rise so quickly and to end up being the number eight pick in the draft and getting to be there and sharing it with his family and with him. It was really very cool and a great moment for our program. Yeah, I found it interesting. And, in, uh, you know, you've, you've had a, a ton of, of really, really good high school players that turned into to really good college players as well. And, you know, Jackson came along a little slower, but, you know, if you knew his pedigree, his father obviously uh, played in the NFL and, and his mom was a, a really good uh, player. I believe she, would she play at Drake? 
Yes, it was Drake. Yes. Yes. I, I think she was a Missouri Valley conference player of the year one year. So uh, Jackson came from really good stock and, yes. and it was, uh, you know, only a matter of time before he took off, but I don't know if anybody could envision um, the, the growth that he made in the last, you know, 24 to 30 months. Yeah, I agree. I, when he was a freshman and he was six foot, six one, and about a buck 25, everyone said that kid someday is going to be unbelievable. Wait, wait till, wait till it all grows together. But, but even when you say that, you're not thinking about being a lottery pick. And, and so when it really happens, and it happens so quick, the last, like you said, 24 months, just in, he's still on that trajectory. I mean, he is still, whatever challenge he faces, he just goes right to it right away. I thought what he did in the summer league this summer was phenomenal, and I just think he's going to keep getting better. Well, let's uh, talk about uh, you and your uh you know, storied history that it's not uh, over yet. Um, you took over at Moeller uh, in the middle of the, what was it, 89, 90 season? Correct. And uh, so you've, you've accumulated a record of 575 wins to 157 losses. Uh, you started coaching at Moeller back in 84 as an assistant. Um, you're a 2005 Moeller Hall of Famer, 2013 Cincinnati Basketball Hall of Fame. You coached the, the McDonald's game. Uh, I want to say, was that 2010, Coach? It was, too, yeah, with uh, Eric Flannery. Uh, it was, Norm Pearson was there. Uh, it, it was a lot of fun. A cast of characters there. Yes, yes. Uh, you, you have won, uh, and I don't know if you know this or not, I'm sure you probably do, but you guys have won 20 plus games in 15 in the last 17 seasons at Moeller. Uh, you graduated from Town Miami East High School, uh, 1978. Uh, and, you know, many people, I guess, if you're not a follower of basketball real closely, wouldn't realize that they do have a state championship. Yes. Uh, 1996. And uh, I believe they were there in 92 and also uh, a runner-up in 2001. I think they got beat by LeBron. They did. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a uh, uh, not a, it's a real small place out in sort of the middle of nowhere. But uh, yeah. they, they do have a very good uh, basketball pedigree there. Coach Allen Mack uh, over the years has done an amazing job. And yes, they the, the Miami's basketball has been good. But that wasn't the period that I was there. We were pretty average when I was there playing. But uh, but I'm really proud of what they've done over the years. So if you're not familiar now, most, most of my younger listeners probably always thought that, that Moeller was a kingpin when it came to basketball, but really um, I want to say that Moeller had not won a district since maybe like 1983 uh, when you arrived there. And before that, I think it was maybe 1971 Um Moeller, you were walking into a situation where Moeller um, was a football powerhouse uh, with Jerry Faust there in the late 70s and early 80s. And then uh, Steve Cloney, uh, right after that, uh, they had won the 85 state football championship. But uh, they kind of went on a dry spell. You know, they had a couple of runners up and then some deep 
runs, but uh, they get back and win in 2012 and 2013. But when you took over at Moeller, they, they weren't what they are now. Well, you know, I, we are proud of, of how the program has grown over the last 30 years and, and it's grown each decade. I mean, we, we've had continuous improvement and I think every organization strives for that. So I would tell you we're proud. It's, but there are a lot of factors. The school changed a lot during that period. It'd be hard to explain to people how dominant Moeller was in football in the 1970s. And uh, they were so good. And that was so much the lifeblood of the school that there really were some great basketball players and, and some great coaches. The coach that I went, Jerry Gerger, coached at Moeller in the beginning of his career and, and loved coaching there and had some players. But basketball football was so dominant. The guys tended we tended to be good in freshman and JV year. A lot of those guys would focus in on their football careers going forward and you know, the school changed a little bit when Jerry left, and by the time I was able to, to become the head coach in 1990, it changed even more. And, you know, we knew that our biggest challenge in 1990, Kurt, was we, we got to create some some basketball culture at Moeller. And that was one of our biggest goals is just create a love of basketball. It's really not that hard to do because, in all honesty, even great football players, the sport they love to play is basketball. And uh, slowly we were able to build that. Who I really credit for changing the whole dynamic at our school was a kid named Bobby Brandon. Do you remember Bobby? Oh, absolutely. And Bobby was kind of, he, he came to Muller kind of as a football star, but really decided that his, he, he was going to focus in on basketball. And I, I, I've always said I credit everything that happens now to our program. Bobby's the guy that changed it. And he made all of a sudden, our gym was full with fans, and that was in the 92, 93, 94 seasons. He just kind of turned it around, and we were able to build a little bit after that. So always indebted to what Bobby Brandon did for our program. Yeah, that's a, that's a great segue. I was actually going to mention that those were the, the early years for you guys. Uh, Bobby was a, a three-time GCL South Player of the Year. Correct. Uh, 92 to 94 he, he was actually the first guy I think I remember that had like a barbed wire tattoo yeah. around his biceps uh yeah. he was yeah he was a big hit at UC for sure yeah he Bobby had in, in that that charisma that he had that you saw at UC you know he even had of course more of that in high school you know everyone kind of wanted to follow Bobby when he bought into our basketball program and bought into our coaching staff and I, it just turned everything around. And I've, I've told him that a million times. He, he still lives in Cincinnati and I get to talk to him fairly often. And he actually trains, he does training for, for all different kids in Cincinnati, but he trains a lot of our, our guys. And uh, he's just really important to, to what more basketball is today. Is he still hitting the weights? He looks like it. You know, he always tells me he's not, but he's still, <laughs> he looks like he looks like he can play for us right now. So uh, I think Bob Bobby's pretty vain, so I think he'll always take care of himself. And he looks good. <laughs> but Bobby uh, Bobby led you guys to your uh, first district crown there in uh, the ninety three ninety four season. Uh, real good year for you guys. He, like I said, was uh, player of the year and 
Uh, you must have really let him turn loose there because he averaged close to 25 a game uh, that year. Um, and you guys lost in the regionals to Withrow, who ended up getting beat in the uh, state championship game that year. What do you remember about that season? Well, I, I, you know, again, just a really important time in our program. You know, we were starting to break through, and Bobby had – Bobby understood what a lot of big kids don't sometimes. A lot of big kids want to float out on the floor, but Bobby understood there there were a lot of points to be scored around that goal, and he was so good at sealing up and so good at getting guys. If he got an angle on you, you, you were done. And uh, our kids that played with him, and again, I think guys love playing with Bobby. You know, he's just – he had that personality. He was such a warrior. And our guys liked getting him the ball. And uh, I had done a lot of my – you know, I, I wasn't a college player. I wasn't ready for the Mueller job when I got it. I didn't – you know, I, you know I, I didn't go through the whole process of being a manager or playing in college and preparing myself to be a head coach. I – I just really wanted to be a teacher. And when the whole basketball thing fell on me, I had a lot to learn. And the guy that I went to that I learned a lot from was a guy named Don Meyer. And Don Meyer was a small college basketball coach, Kurt, who his five-man led the country in scoring. In fact, the two top scores in the country of all time are a couple of his five men. And we ran a lot of their stuff to get the ball to Bobby. And, uh, and he finished, and um, you know, again, just an important period for our program. Now, d- did Bobby kind of make it cool maybe to to go to Moeller uh, to, to play basketball? Yeah, I think, you know, to go to Moeller, you know, kids, you know, in our area, you know, Moeller just has, has a brand, and I, kids were coming to Moeller, but they weren't really – committing and sticking to basketball and you're a hundred percent right and that's the perfect way to put it he made it cool to play basketball and all of a sudden our crowds got bigger and, and people started to come and you know and it just started to build slowly on itself and then after bobby some other great players followed and it just is you know no one's been more blessed kurt than than i've been and i know it i realize it and a lot of it's dumb luck i it was no strategy i just fell into a a great school, and the timing was right, and um, we've just been blessed to have a lot of great players. So you guys um, struggled a little bit following the the graduation of Brandon. You got, I think you guys are about ten and ten the next season, and yep. uh, Jason uh, Grunkemeyer comes along, uh, and in the ninety five ninety six season, he ends up being the player of the year in the conference, and and you guys start to kind of get back to. Uh, you were GCL South co-champs. You get back to your winning ways there. And it, this is kind of leading into that uh, uh, upward trajectory there towards that 98-99 uh, season. Um, and a lot of those guys on that 99 state championship team were, were on that 97-98 team the year yes. before. Uh, so you guys come into the tournament, though, there in 99 um, with six losses and, you know, at that point in time, the GCL South are very, very strong, uh, along with the out-of-conference teams that you guys played. What was uh, what was the, the regular season like for you guys that year in that 98-99 season? To background and what you know about state podcasts, I just want to tell you, I, I know it's not just me. I so appreciate 
that 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 you do this for Ohio high school basketball and, and have this kind of background and can can, can talk about this. That ninety eight ninety nine team is is so special in my heart and you know obviously how Bobby got it started, but by winning state that year, it was really uh, an amazing thing and. We really had in that class, there were four kids who played varsity as a sophomore. And we actually won the league that year. That would have been, what, the 96-97 season, I guess. And uh, and there were sophomores. And then when they came back in 98-99 as seniors, we thought, oh, my God, we're really going to be good. We got a chance to be good. And, frankly, it was a tough year. We went 14-6. and Now, we played well. And our league was a killer, as, as, as you may remember. But um, but we didn't. We expected to be better than that. We dealt with issues. We had some team issues, and uh, more so than we generally had. Just a lot of things went wrong. But when the tournament came around, uh, everything it, it kind of came together. And there's some incredible stories. I don't know if we have enough time to do all that. But that team made. In my opinion, I'm not sure any school's ever had a more phenomenal tournament run. And in, and as lucky as we've been, that's that's the one that I'll never forget. We were the underdog in seven seven of our tournament games. We were the underdog, and we were able to to win those games. Some of them in amazing fashion, and, and to finish them up and win the state, it was it was really incredible. Yeah, that uh, that tournament run, coach, it really was. Uh, incredible, uh, you know, outside of the opener there, you guys, uh, you get your, one of your biggest rivals in St. X and you, you get by them by two. Uh, and then you get a, uh, again, a three point game to beat Vandalia. And then, uh, another tough game with Troy before you, uh, escape beating a very good Beaver Creek team there in the regional final. And, and Kurt, here's the amazing thing. We, we were stumbling through the season. And again, we had some internal issues, and it just didn't go the way we th- we thought it would. And late in the year, in fact, it was game 19. That was when we had the 20-game schedule. Game 19 on a Friday night at LaSalle, we had the most crazy bench-clearing brawl that I've ever been a part of in high school basketball. <laughs> and and I, I, I'm not I'm not proud of that, and certainly I'm, I'm not condoning those things happening. But you know, a couple of our guys really went went to battle for their teammates, and we ended up winning that game. And I'm telling you, Kurt, the whole year was different after that. Something about that night, and um, you know, I, again, I we, we could there's a million stories to tell from it, but that turned our season around, and we got into the tournament. Um, now we had we had uh, one of our best players, Brad Hustle. Uh, was defending one of his teammates in the fight, but he left the bench, so he had to sit a game. And so we're playing without him, and we're playing St. X. We took a bye, won our first game, but we're playing St. X up in Oxford for for the sectional title. St. X had won the league and had beaten us by 25 points in our gym on senior night three weeks earlier. And, uh, and somehow we found a way to win that game. Matt Sylvester... Who's one of the great players we've had at Moeller? Matt just blossomed in that tournament, and he he really scored the ball for us, and we were able to pull out that win. And then against Vandalia, you, you may not know this, we were down 14 points with three minutes to go, and found a way to win that game against Vandalia. 
Wow. Uh, I mean, it was it was one of the, the most amazing comeback I've ever been a part of. And all the stuff that happens, we hit some threes. And even with all that, Kurt, even with all that, we came back. We took the lead, but they had the last possession. And, uh, and the coach from Vandalia, and his name's escaping me, a great, great, great coach. And they had a great team. They, they ran a play on us, and, and we bet, and they got a backdoor cut, and a kid misses a layup, or they'd have won the game. And that state run wouldn't have happened. And that was in the sectional finals, just to show you how precarious the state run is. And, uh, and then, you know, we, we, we beat a great Troy team. I mean, the Troy team with the Dillman kid and Brooks. Um, what was that kid's name from Troy? Brooks. Oh, uh, Brooks Hall, Brooks yeah. Hall. Brooks Hall, and they had Carmona, I think, was on that team. I mean, it was really probably the best team in that school's history. And uh, and I'm from Troy. Castown's just right outside of Troy. So my family has a big game for our family. And we were able to win that game and then to beat a great Beaver Creek team. Uh, again, we were down 13 and a half and came back in um, kind of a furious second half comeback. And and went on a tip-in that everyone in Beaver Creek would tell you was late. They might be right. I don't know. It was bang-bang. But but we were able to win that game and, and then go on. And, uh, you know, I heard I heard Greg on your podcast the other night. He's obviously a great coach. We were down against them by about eight points in the fourth quarter and came back and won. So just, just an incredible state run. And, and that, 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 again, was a – you know, as I look at how our program has grown over 30 years, that that was the turning point right there. Yeah, when I when I was talking to Coach Collins, we, we were talking about, uh, you know, a lot of times these tournament runs, uh, when teams get to the state, uh, and that might be the only time, you know, three quarters of the people in the stands have ever seen those teams play. Uh, don't know the process of maybe the yes. the tip the tip in in the sectional final or the yes. or the three in the district. So that's and, I, and we were talking about how that was the beautiful thing about the OHSA tournament yes. and that run for you guys. And then the cra- the craziest thing to me about that run in '99 was the way it ended. You guys you guys get the quick start against Shaker yes. in the finals. Yes. yes. And, <laughs> And, you know, Shaker was, I, I want to say, maybe nationally ranked um, yeah, on that, that team. Yeah, John Higgins and Sidney Williams and Michael Tucker and those guys. Yeah. Um, but you jumped on them really early. I remember, uh, I want to say Sylvester maybe had a backdoor lob for a dunk. Yeah. And, and you guys got off to a hot start, and then they kind of creep back in it. But uh, do, you re- do you remember kind of how that game played out towards the end? Uh, I think I, I remember every moment of that game. Kurt. I, <laughs> I'm not surprised. Uh, uh, yeah, it was. I remember the night before, and we, we had found a way to get by again, a really well-coached, tough Mansfield team who, who really had to go through a lot of adversity that week of the game. And, um, and, and I remember saying to my guys, like, well, it was a great run. I, I, I'm the coach. All my assistants are, are, are positive guys. I always see impending doom. And uh, – and I'm like, guys, I, I just don't know that we can play with these guys. And, you know, we're, we're going to compete and we're, we're, we're going to show up and we're not, you know. But I, I was pretty convinced that it would be difficult for us to match up with Shaker. And the reality was we were on such a roll. And every now and then you'll see that in the NCAA tournament. You'll see it. I mean, 
teams just get on a roll and just uh, it's it's hard to explain, but but you can feel it when it's happening. And you're right, we jumped all over them. We were up, I think, fourteen and a half, and maybe even got as much as twenty at some point. But when they started coming back, when the tsunami came, it came hard, and uh, we held <laughs> on. Uh, Mike Mongere, who was the the key leader on that team. Uh, in fact, Michael Michael's one of the great players ever at, at, at Muller basketball. He hit two big threes late, and one of the threes, they had cut the lead to maybe two or three, maybe a minute to go. We're spreading it out, and the ball gets kicked over to him, and he's wide open. And I can see Michael believed in himself, and he was he was a kid who would dominate the game and never shoot it. He didn't have to shoot to win. But he knew he was open. He knew he was our best player. And I see him getting ready to shoot. And I'm starting to yell, no. And he knocks it down. And that kind of – then he actually hit another one after that and kind of sealed the victory for us. So you guys get it done. Uh, first time there in school history. Uh, Moeller wins the state basketball championship. You do get two more years of uh, Mr. Sylvester – um, his senior year, you guys do bounce back and win the GCL South again. Uh, Matt was two-time player of the year mm-hmm. um, in the league. And uh, a couple years go by, and then one of my favorite teams that you had uh, was that 2002-2003 team. Um, and I wanted to ask you about this because back in those days – um, for my listeners that may remember this, uh, the, the Southwest district had five districts. So you could, uh, choose to go to, uh, Columbus, uh, because they only had three districts at the time and play at the fairgrounds, or you could stay down and play with the other four districts in Southwest Ohio. But in 2002, 2003, and I'm, I, this is, does not take a brainiac to know this, but you guys chose to stay in in Southwest Ohio, and I'm assuming that was to avoid Brookhaven. You know, it's, it's funny you say that. Let's see, in 2003, um, I thought maybe we I thought we went up. In fact, I know it was 2009. I'm confused with 2007. Probably was to avoid Brookhaven. It might have been where our seed was. Maybe someone else had already taken that Columbus route. It would only be one, one district that, that, that could go to Columbus. So I, I don't, I really don't remember Kurt the, the reasoning in that year. We, we knew we had a pretty good team. We felt like, we felt like we could play with anybody. Yeah. So you guys, uh, the toughest game you had leading up to the state tournament there in 20, uh, 2002, 2003 was uh, against uh Beaver Creek again in a district final game. Yes. yes. Uh, and then you get by Springboro and, and Hamilton, um, who would go on to win the state tournament the next year. Yes. Uh, but so in 03 there, you guys get to the state tournament. And I believe, I want to say you guys played uh, Cleveland Heights. Yes. In yes. the semi. And uh, that was Jim Capaletti uh, coached Cleveland Heights yeah. team. And uh, you guys got by them 85-74. You got a huge performance from Josh Duncan and yes. Andrew Brackman. And 
One of my favorite players on this team, not a guy that gets talked about, I guess, unless maybe you were around the program, was Rob Christie. I thought that guy meant everything to that team. Kurt, you have a good eye for the game. I mean, he 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 was the, the guy who really kept us together. He was a supreme competitor, believed in himself. Uh, a little guy, you know, he didn't have the – the size that was going to be recruited high D one, but he could play with anyone, you know, in that state championship game, he was zero afraid of drew lavender. I mean, he, he, he knew he could play with them. And uh, you're right, Robbie, just the, the toughness of that little Italian kid. I mean, he, he really set the ball for our team. And the other kid that people don't talk about, they talk about the big three, but the other kid was Joe Kimmerer. Yeah. And Joe, Joe didn't score it much. But he could guard any position. Smartest guy we had. He was the locker room leader. Um, Joe, Joe would tell guys where they stood. Um, and he was smart. He just knew how to play the game. And, you know, on that team, when you had a Josh Duncan, and Andrew Bragman, and a Bubba Walther, you didn't need another guy to score. You needed a guy to be a great role player. And Joe fit that role perfectly. I think Bubba would probably tell you you didn't get him enough shots. Well, you know, he's coaching for me now. He's still, com- he's still complaining <laughs> that, 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 that I didn't get him enough shots. So, uh, yeah, but, but you talk about a kid that could score the basketball. You know, a coach's kid, and he knew the game and had fun playing it, and he gave our team some personality. That 2003 team was like a uh, – it's kind of like traveling with a rock band. I mean, they, they, were, they, they, they were good and they were confident, and that year we, we knew we could play with anyone. Yeah, the, the, the crazy thing about that was, and if, if you know anything about like the Division One state championship game, guys, is played usually the last game of the night. And a lot of times, um, you know, people that have stayed the whole weekend tend to head home. But this one was in front of 16,246. Yeah. And I remember sitting there in the crowd and, you know, everybody had Brookhaven penciled in to win this. The only game they lost all year was the St. Right. Vincent St. Mary um, on a couple of free throws that Lavender actually missed. And, you know, most people had penciled them in to win this. They were coming off the state championship the year before. Yes. And uh, Faust and Lavender um, and right. those guys, those guys, those Denzel Lyles, those guys were great. Yes. Uh, but you and I knew this. I, I knew this was coming. You guys just did not back down. Um, I want to say you got uh, what'd you get? Nineteen from Bubba, and eighteen yep. from Brackman, twenty-three from Duncan. It was just yep. a great effort that night. And uh, you come home with the second state championship, uh, finishing the year twenty-three and four. Uh, this had to be pretty satisfying to beat a team as good as Brookhaven that night. Yeah, you know, it really was, and they were that good. And, uh, you know, I, I just, you know, obviously I think there was some advantage for us having some losses and, um, you know, and they 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 had had such a successful season. I I think in a way we surprised them. I mean, I know they knew we were good, but I, I, I think maybe they were even surprised by some of the firepower that we had. And I just remember, I remember looking at our guys in warm-ups that, that night, and they were so loose. Bubba was loose and, you know, he'd been his whole life. He would never miss the state tournament. His family never misses the state tournament. And he just was so comfortable being there and, and, and Brock was comfortable. And, 
Josh Duncan that whole tournament. You know, such a special. You know, he was that super skilled big kid that that uh, just was fantastic. So I, yeah, it, it was a big another big moment for a program. You know, just to give you guys an idea how good Moeller was that night, Brookhaven shot 52% from the field, and uh, Moeller was still able to beat him by eight and uh, capture the, the second championship. But you had two guys coming off the bench that year that would end up going Division One and Childress and Jerkers. Yes, and, yes. Uh, and I'm looking at uh, Brookhaven's roster, uh, a guy that played three minutes in that game, Jeff Cumberland, He may may still be playing in the NFL. I'm not sure. But, I mean, just the the level of talent that was in that game. And uh, this would not be the last you would see of of Brookhaven, though, Um, the following year. And and I went through your career at Moeller, and there were three seasons that I pinpointed. I wanted to see if, if you agreed with this. Three seasons I pinpointed where I thought that you guys probably were the best team, whether you won the championship or not. And I thought that 2003, 2004, the next year was possibly one of those years. And you guys end up getting beat in a regional final game uh, against the great Jamel Cornley at the fairgrounds. And and I thought that team – uh, with Brackman and, and Duncan and uh, Bubba and, and Tyler and, and Josh. I thought that team was as good as anybody that year. Yeah, and, you know, you can make an argument that's the best team in Moeller history. Now, I, I don't get into that argument because, you know, all the guys get mad at me if I start making those opinions. But But you're right, it was a great team. I would tell you that that loss to this day haunts me. Uh, we have about four or five career losses, and I think about them more than the way that I do the state championships. And that that was really a tough loss for us to to handle. You know, we had chosen to go up to Columbus, uh, and we knew it was tough, and we knew we'd probably have to play Brookhaven. But if you remember, there were some good teams in Southwest Ohio. You know, St. X was really oh good. sure, and uh, Withrow was really really good. So it. We just felt like – we always kind of felt like we liked to play teams in the tournament that weren't as familiar with us. Obviously, Brookhaven was fairly familiar uh, playing us a year before, and, and we just – we didn't play very well that night. You know, we had some opportunities. Uh, you know, it wasn't like we didn't have a chance to win the game, but, man, that was a uh, – that was a devastating loss for, for, for really a great, great, great team at, at Bowler. Yeah, that was, uh, like I had mentioned earlier, that was the year. That was an interesting uh, state term. I thought when you guys went down, uh, really opened the door for Ed Heinstel to, to, to uh, win his first state championship at Toledo St. John's. And I thought that, uh, that Hamilton actually upset them uh, in, in the uh, finals That's right. that year. That's right. That was one of the – I would bet, I guess, if you don't really follow it as – maybe closely as some of us, most people probably couldn't remember who won that 2004 state championship. Not that it wasn't a special season for Hamilton, but it was just one of those odd years. Yeah, it really was. You know, that was the Hamilton team that the year before, almost all the same kids, you know, we had beaten by, I think, 35 points in the regional finals. 
And uh, but I will tell you, Larry Ham- Larry Allen did a great job with that team. They really defended. Uh, they took care of the ball. They 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 took quality shots, and uh, you know they they were able to find a way to win the state again. That's what makes the state tournament so beautiful. It really does. So the following year, um, after and that Columbus Fairgrounds, man, that 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 place can can sneak up on you real quick. I've seen some teams have some bad bad yeah. nights there. Yeah, it, it, it was a different venue to play in, but I would tell you, Kurt, we enjoyed it. We enjoyed the old antiquated. Yes, the people who ran the place. It was different, um, and so we we did. We played up there quite a bit and and always enjoyed it. But that 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 loss there was was a tough one to handle. Yeah, I don't think they've dusted or swept yeah. uh, there in probably 40 years, uh, yeah. but it, it is a very nostalgic place. Um, and then the, the next year there, and you guys end up getting back to the state tournament. Um, you split with, with St. X during the regular season that year. Uh, you have a tough game in the tournament with Withrow that year, uh, another tough game with Westland. Uh, and then you beat uh, – you get Brookhaven again, uh, and you beat them pretty handily this time to right. get to the state. Uh, but when you show up at the state, you uh, you see a familiar opponent uh, yeah. on the, the other end of the court. Yeah, you know, it, it's uh, – it'd be hard for me to describe to you, Kurt, and someday you got to come down and see one of the games. But the molar St. X rivalry, particularly in those days, was – was so intense, you know, so many, so many of the Catholic grade schools in our area, kids really choose between St. X and Moore. So all the kids know each other. And uh, I think that familiarity breeds, breeds the rivalry. And uh, so to be up at state and, and playing them up there in 2005, and they had a great team. Johnny Wolf's one of the best players ever from our league. Uh, Scott Martin coached him. Scott was phenomenal. And uh, and they got us. It was a good game, uh, but but they they were really good team. But that year, of course, Kent McKinley. I'm not sure anyone was going to be able to beat them. And uh, and, and then I think St. X lost to them the next night. But but uh, I thought it was. I thought our 2005 team really had a good year to get back to the final four. Yeah, I mean, you know, with with Ryan and Tyler coming back, and then you had a, a young uh, Troy Tabler on that team. Um, you know, that, that team, I think maybe lacked a guy like a Johnny Wolf that was able to get the ball in the basket. You know, he was kind of, they had a guy, St. X had a guy and, uh, he was the difference in the, in the semifinal game. And I totally agree with you. I think you were kind of, whoever won that game was kind of playing for second. That's that, those two McKinley teams were very, very good. They were good. Uh, so you guys uh, continue on with, with your winning ways, though. You finished the 22-4. and four. Uh, And then a couple years later, you, uh, you return again uh, to, the, uh, to the Schottenstein Center, and this time uh, with a group, uh, Quinn McDowell and, and Troy Tabler now as a senior. And uh, I had uh, Coach Flannery earlier in the summer on. We, we, we talked about this game from the other perspective. Yeah. And uh, – you know, I still think this is one of those games that, uh, like you would say, you can't forget it. And and I remember sitting in the crowd and thinking, and I told him this, I said, 
at some point they're going to make a run and win this game. They, they just, they just have to, and you guys never let it happen. Yeah. You know, I, I, I would tell you in some ways I'm as proud of that win as any win we've ever had. It was, uh, uh, it'd be hard to really explain how good that St. Ed's team was. Uh, I, clearly, I think it's one of the best teams in Ohio basketball history. And uh, certainly, I think the best team that didn't win the state championship, they they were just loaded. And as you know, I mean, Eric, Eric did an amazing job. When you watch those guys on film, they played so hard defensively. And what scared me is you could maybe play well for a while, but like all great teams, there was going to be that moment in the game where they spurted on you. They could their spurtability was incredible, and it, and that was one of my big fears going into it. You know, can we we'll hang in, but can we avoid that three or four minutes when they put a 12-0 run on you? And uh, you know, we were able to do it. We 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 hung in the whole game. We hung in. They couldn't get away from us and our mantra the whole week. And, and really when we watch film on them and we got some film from the beach ball classic that they had participated in and no one, no, there wasn't a single team all year within double figures of that St. Ed's team. And, um, you know, so, so as we watched film on them. We, we just knew, my gosh, our, our mantra became get the game to the last four minutes. And if we're within a couple possessions with four minutes to go, we have a chance to win because they have not been in that situation. We live in that situation. We have been in that all year long. The Cincinnati at that time, Southwest Ohio, Curtis, you probably remember, was so loaded. And our league was so good. Every league game was so good in those games. And we just felt like if we could make it a close game in the last four minutes, our, our experience, at least that's what we tried to convince the kids. And, um, uh, I don't know if you remember this, Kurt, but Delvon Rowe gets a steal. Now we're up, I don't, or they're up, excuse me. They're, they're up uh, maybe two, maybe two points. And he gets a steal and goes down and dunks it. And there's about five minutes to go in the game. It was actually about 5.50. Now they go up four and Delvon runs back and he runs back to the paint. And we bring it up and, and we throw it to our four man. He's trailing Daniel Walker. And we noticed that Delvon did not, I mean, they really played good pressure defense. Delvon didn't come out on him. And I just yelled out, I just at that moment, hold it, hold it. And then they didn't come out. And now we're down, we're down four points. And there's 550. Troy Tabler was out of the game because he had blood. So he's sitting on the bench. And I could just sense one of those runs coming by St. Ed's. So we held the ball down four until the four-minute mark and took a timeout. Now, there were people yelling at me. I rem- yeah, I remember that. Screaming at me. But I just thought if I could get to that four-minute mark and get our guys in the huddle and say this is exactly what we talked about all week. Um, you know, when you're kind of playing for an upset because – we had a great team. I think our 07 team was, you know, if you look at what a lot of those kids did afterwards, we were good. But that, you know, if we played St. Ed's, you know, 10 times, we'd be lucky to win one. And I was just trying to make that be be the one game. And uh, uh, we came out and, uh, and we scored on that possession. And 
took a couple charges, made a couple shots, got a couple steals. We started pressing him, and I don't think anyone had pressed them the whole time, and we ended up winning the game, and it, it was a great win. That's a, and that, that's a thing. How, how is it that, you know, in 99 you probably are an underdog against Shaker, 03 underdog against Beehaven, uh, 07 underdog against uh, – undefeated St. Ed's team. How is it that you get your teams to play so flawlessly in those type of games? Like I, I, I've just, I've always marveled at that. Well, I appreciate you saying that, Kurt. I will tell you this. It's a lot easier to coach as the underdog than it is. It's the favorite. You know, we're, I'm having to deal with that now and it's harder. It's much harder to do when, when, that, when, when the bull's eyes on your back, but uh you know, I think part of it, Kurt, we again, we're just fortunate here. There's a there's a great culture in our school, and I, you know, I, I didn't go to an all boys Catholic high school, obviously, and but I, I felt that the moment I walked into that place, it was just a different vibe, and it was really hard. It was really easy to get kids to practice hard and commit and compete. I think it comes from the background of a lot of their parents that uh, they they understand what success is. And uh, so I, I really believe Moeller kids, even when it looks like we're the underdogs, we, we believe we can do it. And, uh, you know, so it's been fun to coach in that atmosphere. And I, I do think that's something we've been pretty good at over the years. So you guys pull off the shocker, you beat Ed's. Uh, and then once again, uh, the uh, GCL South arrival is on the other end of the uh, the bench there, and uh, you guys uh, get Cincinnati St. Xavier, who you'd beaten twice in a regular season in a pair of close games. The only two games you lost all season that year was a back-to-back uh, early February to Elder and LaSalle. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you, you get into the finals, and um, you hold them to 28% shooting, uh, their star, Walt Gibbler, was 15 of 16 at the line where he got most of his points that night. Right. But you, you pretty much stymied everybody else, and it was a typical uh, Molar X game in, in that era, 43-40. You come away uh, with the win. Troy Tabler led you guys with 11, and Quinn McDowell had nine. Uh, but like you mentioned, this isn't a team that you're going to go back and remember a bunch of star power on this team. And to finish yeah. twenty five and two and, and win the state championship was pretty impressive uh, for this group. Yeah, you know, yeah, I agree. But really, we that team was pretty daggone talented. I, mm-hmm. you know, Quinn, Quinn McDowell scored fifteen hundred points at William and Mary. You know, he had a great career. He's now coaching at Lehigh. Tony Tony Rack played at Northern Kentucky. Tony wasn't super talented, but he was one of the best winners. I ever coached, and Tony's now a college basketball coach in Western Carolina. Terry Martin was our center. Terry took two big charges late in the game. I think it was the first two of his career. But Terry played at Walford, played in the NCAA tournament. He's been playing professionally now for ten years. Uh, there was some, you know, of course, Troy Tabler was was you know a, a great high school player and had a great career at Wright State. So right. we really did have it. it we didn't have the the Big Ten players that that Michigan or that um, the St. Ed's had, but there there were some pretty good pretty good high school players. I th- I think a team that actually gets a little bit underrated. 
So you bring some of those guys back uh, following your third state championship. You bring some of those guys back. Yeah. Uh, Quinn McDowell, Tony Rack, uh, Daniel Walker. Uh, yeah. The next season, win the GCL South. Uh, your only loss was to a, in the regular season was to an unbelievably talented St. Benedict's team. Uh, yeah. Just to show you how talented they were, I think they brought Tristan Thompson off the bench. Correct. On that team. Correct. Uh, <laughs> so you that was your only loss that year. And, uh... and, and, and we were in that game. I mean, we, we were playing them in the finals. We had actually beat Lance Stevenson's team, Lincoln, New York, the New York City champs. Right. We played them in the semifinals and beat them. And no one thought we were going to beat Lance Stevenson's team, and we beat them. And uh, then the next night, we're playing the number one team in the country, St. Benedict's. And, and I'm telling you, we took them right to the wire. That 2018 was great, and Quinn McDowell was such a good player for us. And we came home, we played LaSalle the first Friday in January, and Quinn saw me after the game and said his foot bothered him, and he ended up having a stress fracture. And I don't know if you remember that, but he missed the second half of the season and didn't play again the rest of that season until – the very final night when we got beat by Trotwood in the districts. And and he wasn't 100%. He played, but he certainly wasn't. You know, he had you know, a foot injury so hard to come back from. And uh, that, that, that loss, you know, that you talked about the 2004 loss, the 2008 loss was, was equally devastating. It just really, really haunts us. Well, well, we're two for two because that was the uh, that was the second one I had marked down, two thousand eight. Uh, close loss, as you mentioned, to Trotwood there in the district, forty eight, forty five. So that yeah, Michael Davenport was on that team. He was a yes. de- defensive player of the year in the league, and uh, Quinn McDowell was uh, obviously a very special player. Um, so you guys, uh, the following year, you have another good year. You win 20 games, uh, your GCL South co-champs. Uh, and then you come back to Columbus in, uh, in 2009, 2010. Uh, and you, when you got to Columbus that year with uh, Charlie Byers and Barlow and uh, Griffin McKenzie, uh, you, you had to play a team that played a very frantic style in the semifinals there in uh, Bob Krasancic's mentor squad. Yeah. That was an incredible game. Yes, yes, it was. It was uh, – that was a fun team to coach. Uh, Charlie Byers and Alex Barlow, our backcourt was – just, it was just fun to coach those guys. Alex Barlow is, uh, you know, again, just I think he's one of the legends of our, of our program. And he the kid just – he was as good a big moment player as, as we've had. And uh, in that regional final to get there, uh, we, we beat a great LaSalle team in the regional final. And uh, I think Barlow scored every point in the overtime. He had like three steals and, you know, got, got a offensive foul call in our favor and just, just, just had an amazing ability. So we get up there and, and we're scouting. You know, of course, I know Bob a little bit. I have so much respect. He's clearly one of the great coaches uh, in the country. And, uh, you know, we say, oh, my God, this is going to be a tough game. But we thought we could match up with them pretty well physically. Of all my teams that have made deep runs, this was the only one that really wasn't dominant physically. 
we didn't have the big bodies. We started four guys that were six one or smaller, uh, and then Griff McKenzie was six nine, six ten. But Griff really was more of a perimeter player, than right? An inside guy. So it was just it it, it just was a team as other teams so the middle matchup actually was pretty good for us and and we had some guys who could guard they're really good guards and um so it just ended up being a great game i mean if we'd have played them you know 10 times i think we just split they 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 they, they were really really good yeah you guys got a, a good effort that night from uh, barlow and, and josh morlock and yes. charlie byers and I always said that, that Barlow and Byers were, were your kind of backcourt. Like just, yeah. just tough, tough guys. And uh, yet, I mean, and then so you guys outscore them in overtime uh, to, to advance. And, uh, you know, I, I had uh, talked to, to Bob about this, and I thought that your game with Mentor uh, really set the tone for the championship game against Jackson. It just didn't uh, – Jackson, and you mentioned earlier in a podcast about how teams just get on a run. And yes. this Jack, just Jackson team was just playing a lights-out basketball. Uh, they, they had gotten beat uh, by Huber Heights-Wayne early in the season, and then they just started rolling from there. And uh, I don't know if anybody would have beat them that night in the championship game. Uh, those two big guys were just unbelievable, and their guards were – were just tough, tough kids. But I thought that mentor game took a lot out of you guys. You know, it, it, it maybe did, but I, I want to give Jackson all the credit. They, they really were a good team. And I remember we played the first game, so I'm watching – if I remember this right, I'm watching their game afterwards. And, right. And, and, you know, I have a great crew of assistant coaches, and, 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 and we all look at each other and go, not a good matchup for us. Um, you know, we, we, we would have rather played more of a perimeter-oriented team that we matched up with better, our team that wanted to process and whatever. And we knew that Jackson, uh, you know, they really had a little bit of everything on that team. They had the inside guys. They had the shooter. They had a great role player. They had a terrific point guard. And I thought that Jackson team in particular was really, really well coached. And so uh, – we hung in there. We really knew we had the – we were a little bit out in the end and we had to limit the, the possessions of the game. And I think at halftime it was 15 to 9 or some incredible – I mean, we, we were able to keep it down, but the third quarter, um, they, they just – it busted open. And, uh, and again, I, just, I tip my hat to them. They, they were the better team. Yeah, that was uh, that was quite a unique year as well because the other semifinalist that year was Gahanna Lincoln, uh, who had knocked off Columbus Northland there in a regional final, uh, who everybody pretty much had penciled in to win it all that year. Correct, correct. Um, yeah. But again, that's why you play them. I was actually at that game at the fairgrounds that night and would yeah. not believe it unless I had seen it with my own eyes, which I did. Yeah, um, but. Uh, make no mistake about it, that Gahanna Lincoln team had three sensational guards. And um, anytime you have guards, uh, three Division One guards, it's, it, you're going to be in most games. And uh, so they, uh, you, and second runner up for you guys, uh, 05, and now 2010 to go with the three state championships. Uh, and, and the next year, you guys win 22 games, you get to the regional final. 
and get beat by uh, LaSalle, uh, who ends up winning the state championship that year. Dan Fleming's second state title. Uh, really good LaSalle team. Uh, you guys uh, had Barlow and Byers that year. Uh, LaSalle was kind of on a mission that year uh, to, to get it done. They had a nice little run there three or four years in a row. You guys played them quite a bit there in a two- or three-year stretch. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was a great rivalry. Uh, Dan's son, Ryan, was a senior that year. They beat us. He was a junior of the year. We beat them. But the rivalry with Barlow and Fleming and, and, and Byers, and they had, I mean, it, it, was, it was a fun time because both teams just played so stinking hard. And uh, it, it really were the, – the, in that era, we did some great, great games with LaSalle. And, yeah, we were lucky to get them that first year, and they get us the second year. And they were they were actually very similar games in terms of how they played out. It could have gone either way in both games. And, uh, you know, it was uh, – it, 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 uh, that was a great LaSalle team. I actually enjoyed watching them win the state title. As you remember, Dan had his heart attack that year. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and he was just able to come back for the state. And, uh, you know, I, I knew that team was destined to win. I wasn't surprised that they, they finished it off. So in uh, 2012 or 2011, 2012, you guys end up winning 21 more games. Uh, I want to say you got beaten the regional semis that year by Middletown uh, at that 2012 uh, tournament season. And then in 2013, you win 23 more games. Uh, and then the next season, that 2013-2014 season, was the yeah. third season I marked down. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you guys finished 24-2. and two. Uh, Your regular season loss was to Providence, Florida. Close game, 60-56. Uh, but uh, the game I want to mention, and I'm sure this is a game you would love to soon forget, um, this is one of those games, I think, in, in, in a coaching career that, you know, you, you point at three or four games. And yeah. uh, you're up 46-30 in the fourth quarter uh, yeah. on, on Trotwood-Madison. And if, if you would have called and told me this, uh, I would have put any you – you, do, you don't come back on Moeller up down 16, especially in the fourth quarter. And somehow – um, you guys ended up, I think, with 20, 22 or 23 turnovers that night, which is very uncharacteristic of you guys. And yeah. Trotwood hits a three with 2.3 seconds to go and uh, beat you guys 62-61. Uh, I thought that team was great. Ben, ben Zinger and Fowler and Hawkins, Anton and yes. uh, Gigax. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate you saying all those names. In some ways, that one may hurt the most, and it hurts. And I, I would tell you why. Cause I, I've been so lucky in, in in my career, and all all our coaches would tell you this. But that was such a great group of kids. Uh, those guys worked their tail off. Grant Benzinger is. Uh, I, I've had so many great hard workers. I mean, certainly Barlow Monterey, and I could go on and on. But I'm not sure I ever had a kid. Who, who really worked harder to develop his game than Graham Benzinger. And he sort of, he started it, all those kids. I mean, Fowler and Anton and all. I, I just love that team. And, uh, you know, when we got beat down in Myrtle Beach at Providence, they, they who was the, the kid from Duke? Uh, 
I can't think of his name right now. Oh, Grayson Allen. Yeah, Grayson Allen was on that team, and you know, and again, we we were right there to beat them, and they they kind of they, you know, sometimes you get in those tournaments, and there are certain teams that are supposed to advance, but they got us down there a bit. That that 2014 team was a state championship type team in my mind, and and we really played a great Trotwood team there, and we really outplayed them. And we outplayed them the whole game. We played great, and when it went bad, everything that can go wrong kind of went wrong. Our guys, you know, our guys hit free throws. Our guys, they had a kid hit four threes, and most of them were tough. Um, you know, sometimes when there's a comeback and one team's pressing. Um, you know, referees can get caught in that comeback. And I'm not here saying it was referees. Just all the things that happen in a game. Yeah, I know, I know what you're saying. Yeah. 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 All, all the things that can happen. And this happened to our favor, too. Those, those things happen. I, I, I totally understand it. All that converged in that moment. And, you know, Trey, Trey Hawkins, a kid I loved, uh, worked his butt off for us. Trey hits two big free throws with about. I don't know, 19 seconds or so to put us up too. So I felt we had survived it and we had to defend one more possession. And I don't know if you were there, if you remember, but what actually happened in that last possession is, is the clock was running down. They had their kid, actually the ball bounced off his knee and it was a loose ball. So the ball goes, goes kind of, he was in the lane. It's going outside. Grant Bensinger dies for the ball, but doesn't get it. And the guy Grant was guarding picks it up and as with a second or two left, shoots it and, and, and hits a three to beat us by one. It was a, it was a loose ball three. And, uh, you know, just about as devastating a way to lose a game for, you know, that, that would put you in Columbus. So, you know, I, I look at my career and I look at all the good fortune we've had, but I've also suffered those kinds of losses and it gives me perspective. I, I know how that other side feels in those moments because for those kids that was their chance and it still hurts me for those kids so you guys i mean you guys still have an incredible season you win 24 games but obviously not the result you want uh and then the next season um before the season even gets going you guys get struck with a uh literally and figuratively a, a big injury yes yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when when Big Nate, we were in a scrimmage really with Luke Kennard, and uh, there were some other schools there, and Nate was absolutely dominant in the scrimmage, dominant. And afterwards, he's telling me his foot's bothering him, and we send him, and uh, sure enough, he's 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 got an injury in his foot that he just couldn't risk, you know, playing that. See, he needed to get it taken care of, and. Man, I'm telling you, he is, uh, Nate Fowler's one of the classiest, uh, his, his, his family, they represented everything our program was about. And the amazing thing, the memory I will always have, Nate showed up, uh, Kurt, at every single practice, every single film session, every single weights. Nate, a lot of kids, will, they'll show up maybe, you know, most of the time, they'll be, but Nate, Nate. Nate was the best teammate uh, of any kid I've ever seen who was injured. And uh, uh, I will always remember him by that. And I'm not surprised uh, he did well with Butler. And I think he's going to have a good pro career. But even with that being said, you guys do end up making a deep tournament run before losing to Springfield. You finished 18 and nine. 
that season and all things considered, that's pretty, uh, pretty good. Trey McBride, uh, had a, had a pretty good season that yeah. year for you guys. And yeah. the next year, uh, you guys go 23 and four. And, and I thought this team was, was a really good team as well. Uh, Nate Georgeton uh, at the, at the point guard spot on this team and Trey McBride and Riley Voss and Keegan McDowell. And you guys yeah. end up losing to uh, Jaron Cumberland there in the regional semis. Yes. And, and Jaron was a kid that uh, I thought Wilmington was actually probably better the year before when Javen was with him. Yes. Um, but Jaron, you know, pretty much he was one of those deals where he kind of just carried that team uh, to Columbus that year. And no uh, again, 23 wins for you guys. And then um, after that season, 23 and four, things started rolling here. And so over the, the past three seasons, and I know you know this, but you guys are 84 and four the last three seasons. Uh, you're currently on a 49-game winning streak. Your last loss to an Ohio team, I'm sure you don't forget that, was to Jackson 39-38, mm-hmm. uh, state finals in 2017. Your last regular season loss to an Ohio team came on February 5th of 2016 to, uh, I want to say, Cincinnati Elder. And uh, this past year, you were the first undefeated team in Division One since Zanesville in 95. Uh, only two teams have went back to back in the four division era and division one. Uh, and now you guys are the second team to do that with McKinley in 05, 06. You got to go back to elder in 73, 74, uh, to find a big school that went back to back before that. But that 2017 season got it started. And this was a rarity for you. You came into the tournament that year undefeated. And we talked about this earlier. So you're the hunted yeah, uh, coming in, and you get a uh, you get a Pickerington Central team there in the uh, state semis with a with an ACC guard and an ACC yeah. big man and uh, a wing guy that's uh, at Northern Kentucky and uh, just just a loaded talent, just a very talented team. But uh, you know, I thought you guys did a really good job that night. You really forced uh, Manly to come out and, and play. Uh, your guys that were maybe a little bit more versatile with uh, Voss and McDowell and those guys right, really right. really forced him to defend, and I thought you wore him out pretty much uh, in, in that game. So, uh, And you guys get by them. It was a tough game. I thought the play of the game there was right before half. I'm sure you remember the play Davenport made. Yes. It, it was the side out of bounds? Yes, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. It, it, it was uh, heads up, our guys. We've actually had a lot of those over the years, just guys being alert, and we threw it the length of the court and, and got a big buck. And those in, in playoff games, you're, you're right, those, those, kind of, uh, those kind of buckets really give you momentum going in. So now that was really a good Pickerington team. And, and you're right, our, our whole game plan was to try to get their big in uncomfortable situations and, and try to get them out on the floor as much as we could. And, um, you know, it took us a while. Uh, we actually felt pretty confident going into the game. And, you know, we, we, we knew that schematically, we thought defensively, we, we, we could make it somewhat difficult on, on their great guard. Uh, I can't remember his name right now, the, the really good guard that they had, the kid going to North Carolina, 
Jeremiah Francis, yeah, Francis, yeah. Yeah. We thought we could keep him out of the lane and, and we were able to do that. Um we had some kids who who, who could guard and Danny Jerkowitz, one of our assistants, I thought had a great, great game plan and um so we, we were able to survive that and then, then the next night of course we knew we were playing another really good Massley team. And and this one was uh a completely different uh, game than the 2010 game. Uh, this was very low scoring. Uh, they they got you 39-38, but, you know, calls go – sometimes they go your way, sometimes they don't. I thought the call uh, at the end of the game, I don't know that anybody touched that guy. Uh, <laughs> and I'm sure, you know, if you were in purple, yes. If you were in blue, gold, no. Yeah. Uh, but uh, – and, and, you know, you know, I don't ever like games to end on free throws, but I thought that that was just a physical battle uh, between two really good teams. Uh, you guys uh, with with Davenport and uh, Miles McBride, who's, I think, one of the best players to ever suit up at Moeller. Yeah. Uh, best winners for sure. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't uh, it doesn't end your your way that night or, or we'd be talking about a three peat. Um, and you guys finished 28 and one that season. Uh, but you guys come back with a vengeance the following year. Um, you lose three out of state games that year. Covcath, I think, ended up winning the state title in uh, Kentucky. If not, they were in, in the finals. Yeah, oh, no, they won it. They won oh, it. No. I was, I was going to say, I thought, I thought. Yeah. I thought were, Joe Frederick let me know that they won it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. They were really good. They were good. And, you know, looking at this, it, you guys lose to Long Island Lutheran and then Imatep, who was really good as well. Uh, and that all happened before the, the turn of the, the year in uh, 2018 there. Uh, but I would say, you know, Cove, you, you probably uh, – this team got stronger as the year went on. Uh, of course, you, you, you had a completely different Jackson Hayes uh, than you had the year before yes. as a junior – and then you throw in Jeremiah Davenport, but you were dealing with a major injury that year to uh, to McBride. Yeah, you know I, what what was really satisfying that year was, you know, we really that 2018 team had four new starters because when when uh, when Miles went down in the football game, it was the same ex football game, and that was a very severe injury, the midfoot sprain is it's called the Liz Frank is is one of the toughest injuries any athlete can have. And uh knowing that Miles was out for the year, and, you know, we still we had no idea he would come back and play the last two games. Um knowing he was out, you know, I, I knew we would be really good. You, you knew you don't get a kid like Jackson Hayes very often. I knew Jeremiah was developing. Uh Sleepy was uh was uh you know he was a three-year varsity guy, but but we were still really inexperienced because those kids were all late bloomers. And uh, to be able to play as well, well as we played that year, and the night that I knew we were going to be good was really the, I think, third or fourth game we went over to Cuffcalf, and they had a veteran team. They had the Fred or uh, the Frederick kid who's now in Iowa, and they had the big kid, Walter, uh was a senior, and those guys had all been together. I think their five starters were all returning starters. And 
know, you can imagine going over to Covcath, even though it's just across the river, it's like in a whole nother area. You know, the, those aren't roughs that we're going to see very often. It was, <laughs> it, I remember walking in and, and they, they, they actually did away with the JV and freshman game. So they, they didn't want to play it because there was some condensation on the floor. And as we're coming in, there's a line. I mean, there were hundreds of people outside their gym and, you know, they let us in, we got dressed, we were out there just shooting around and then they let everybody in and the place filled up a thousand people in literally like two minutes and it was full. And this was, this was an hour before the game. And you knew it was just going to be that great atmosphere. They have a great student body. And, uh, we actually played them right to the wire that night. And they won the game legitimately, but I knew that night if we can go on the road and play that team that well, um, and I knew we were going to get so much better, and I felt by the end of the year we had really gotten so much better. Uh, I, I knew that night we were going to be pretty good. So you guys do uh, return to Columbus that year, and you guys got uh, uh, a really tough uh, and physical and athletic Lorraine team there. In yeah. the state semifinals, I thought they—I thought they played you as well as anybody. Uh, they were really, really physical. You, you, you know, uh, they were—they were physical. Uh, their coach did a great job. They—they kind of took a gamble, and they didn't guard a couple of our guys. And one of the guys they didn't guard was was Alec Freem. And I don't have to tell you, Alec Freem's a great player. He's—he's he's not right. But they, they didn't guard Alec, and and. Um, and a couple of our other guys, and it kind of got in our head. And, you know, we really watched film. We felt good going into that game. Now, you always know something can happen, but they, their very unique strategy against us um, kind of got in our head a little bit, and, and it caused us to be off ry- rhythm, and we couldn't get in rhythm all night. So you're right, I, not just our kids being tough, but I thought their coach had a, had a good game plan, and it, it, they effectively got us out of our rhythm. If I remember correctly, they had a guy, uh, maybe five six, five seven, and he was guarding Davenport, and, and yeah. really like got up underneath him, and and you know those five six, five seven yeah. guys can be very pesky. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. They did that. They got into certain guys and got real physical with them, and let other guys completely alone. And you know they they had a plan. They had a plan of how they wanted to play and. And uh, Dagon almost pulled it off. And, uh, you know, that, that night was Miles McBride's first game back. Now, we had no idea until that week. And, and our trainer came to us and said, Doc said he can play this week. We thought it was a joke. I mean, we had <laughs> completely re- wiped it off. And uh, the reason I'm saying that, Miles actually hit a corner shot with about I don't know, a minute and a half left that kind of put us up eight or whatever. And I thought it kind of sealed the game, but, uh, and that's, you would, you use the perfect word when you talked about miles. He's, I think he's one of the great winners. I, I think he, he was very much an underestimated undervalued kid in our state. You know, I, I don't know if you know, he had 14 the other night for West Virginia and Spain. I saw that. Yeah. And, and hugs can't say enough good things about him. He, he's really a special player people are going to see that well you guys um jackson hayes has 16 and 13 to to uh, as you guys advance and uh you get a red hot solon team uh in the finals but uh solon had an interesting game there in the uh 
semifinals against Pickerington Central where they uh, pretty much got dominated in the first half. Yeah. Uh, and they – I thought the biggest adjustment they made in the second half, and I'm sure you were watching, was uh, I thought the big adjustment was that they took the press off. Yeah. Uh, because I thought as long as Solon continued to press, that Central was going to continue to 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 get dunks and, and run out baskets. And then when Solon uh, took that off, I thought they really uh, turned a corner. And uh, Sincere Carey was just unbelievable that night. Uh, by the time you guys got them the next night, uh, I think a lot of people um, that I was sitting around, we kind of expected you to, to, to dominate the paint, and you did 64-24 in the paint. Yeah. And uh, you came away with an 83-65 win. It was, it was a really, really good performance by you guys. Uh, Davenport and Freem and, and Hayes and even McBride had a, a good night that night. And, but you had other guys. Uh, I know one of the seniors on that team that you really, Carlos Garcia, uh, yeah. was a key, key member of that team, and, and uh, Sleepy Payton. And, yeah, uh, yeah that, was, uh, that was a dominating performance that night. It really was. It kind of put the, kind of put the finishing touches on a really special year and a team that, I mean, I, again, I, I talked about the 2003 team being like a rock band. Everybody wanted to see him play. This 2018 team was kind of the same way. We, we had more dunks that season than maybe we have in all of our, our years combined. And they were fun kids to watch play, fun kids to coach. Uh, it was really a great way. And, yet I, and I would tell you, I, I, I kind of felt bad for Solon that night because I knew what a great year they had. I think the, the coach there just did an amazing job. Uh, Tony was just uh, watching film, get ready to play them. And it just was a bad matchup that night. I went through that myself, you know, back in 2010, playing Jackson. And, uh, you know, we played them another night and things had gone a little bit different early. You know, they got some pretty good looks early. Nothing would go down for them. And they needed to make outside shots, obviously, uh, to play us. And so good night for us and, uh, you know, really a pretty good moment for the program after that tough loss the year before. Interesting stat from that game, uh, and I remember that. They, they had a lot of good looks early in that game and uh, shots that actually went down the night before. Uh, and sometimes that, that's uh, the, the downfall when you, when you shoot a lot of perimeter shots, uh, especially playing a back-to-back against two great teams like they did. Right. They, shot, they shot 38 threes that night, and you shot four. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. it's just kind of uh, uh interesting stat there, but you guys end up winning that. And then uh, that, that kind of catapults you into this past season. Uh, you come into the state tournament again, uh, undefeated. And I've heard you talk about this before. Uh, no one likes to lose. Uh, no coach ever likes to lose a game, but it is, I think it is difficult. Uh, when you come to big tournament games and you're still undefeated because you got kind of that little added pressure uh, that you've you've never felt a loss. And for you guys, it it had been quite a while. It had been December 30th, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, yeah, December 30th, uh, 2017 was the last time you lost a game. And this team runs the table behind uh, McBride and uh, Alec Freem and get you guys back to Columbus again. Um, what did you, 
you know, coming in undefeated again, like he did in 2017, was there any apprehension? Yeah, you know, in, in some ways, I would have preferred not to be undefeated. We try to schedule as tough as we can. That's why we play out-of-state teams. And, and um, you know, I, I do think there's something, you know, you, you, you grow in every aspect of your life through struggle. So, uh, but yet, every time you go out, every night you go out, the goal is to win. And, you know, that last season was so remarkable because of the, the dominance in which we – we played and, you know, we, we really had great players. I mean, you know, start with Alec and Alec Freeman and certainly Miles McBride, but we had other great players on that team, but not the kind of dominating players that, that you would think would do that. I mean, I, our average margin of victory last year was 26 points a game and uh, it, it was even 26 in our league. And that's just unheard of. It just was a team that probably played as well together and again, give those two seniors a lot of that credit, and Michael Shep, and then all of our guys. We had three sophomores that played up that that, that, that that were that were really really talented sophomores. But to be as dominant as we were last year, I knew we would be good, but I did not see that coming. Let me ask you, and this is this is something I think has been kind of. Uh, Apart your mo over your career at Muller, you you always have like this uh, program guy that sticks yep. it sticks it out, uh, you know, earns his stripes, and then by yes. the time by the time he's a senior, uh, he's one of your like just one of your guys that you feel good about putting in yep. that starting lineup with you know maybe some uh, talented underclassmen guys yep. like an Alex Williams. Uh, coming off the bench, what is yep. it about those guys like Ship and Garcia and yeah. you know you always have somebody like that. Yeah, we do, and I you know it, it's, there's no plan; it just kind of develops. Uh, you know, the big thing for me is you know we, we've had talents so we've been able to win, and I, I certainly don't judge our our success on just wins. Uh, I think it's a symptom of something bigger, and that's the culture in our program. The one thing I think we've had, and I'm really proud of how we've gotten better with each decade, is it's truly a program. And I think the kids sense that it's a program and they go through each step of it. And I think when you have that, that kind of thing emerges. What we haven't had a chance to talk about at all really is those kids that are even those guys, but they're, they're on the bench and you never get to see them. And but I would tell you that, that, that in our program, we consider those guys every bit as important. You know, every kid is equally important. And we call them the gold teamers, the guys that really do the scout team during the week. Uh, they're juniors and seniors. And, you know, if they were at another school, they'd probably be starting in most other schools. But for us, you know, we, we've been so blessed with talent. You know, they're, they're, they're in that role. But those guys – you know, those guys, the program means as much to them as it does anybody. And I, I hear from those guys as often as I hear from our star guys. So I think it's that program aspect that creates that. And, and I'm proud of the culture we've been able to build. Well, you guys uh, have certainly done that in a big, big way. And you guys uh, see another uh, familiar foe uh, in Columbus uh, this past March, and you uh, end up beating a, a very good St. Ed's team, uh, 72-52. Uh, 
big game from Alec Freem. Uh, he ended up uh, eight of 11 from the field in that game. And you guys placed four in doubles. And of course they did too, but uh, you shut the rest of their guys out. And uh, I think that was the big difference in the game. Uh, one of the, one of your key guys to me, and I'm sure you would say the same, Alex Williams. Uh, yes. You know, this is one of those kids like, and I, I talked to, to Corey Alverson quite a bit and, and uh, by the way, let it be known that the, these past two years that I've picked you to win the state championship before <laughs> the season started, I just want—I just want it to be known that Corey Albertson was was iffy on my picks before the season because uh, he is one of your biggest fans. But you know, he 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 kind of over critiques you guys a little bit be, because he's so close to the yeah, to yeah. the area. But just let it be known that I did pick you guys. Uh, <laughs> So, but he, you know, we, we talk about Alex Williams and he's one of those guys, like if you're a scout, you're like, you can overanalyze him. Uh, to me, he's just one of those guys that I would write down player. He's a, he's a player yeah. uh, at the end of the game. He's, he's going to help you win. Yes. If you notice in all of our big games, uh, you know, I'm always pretty careful with younger players. So I was careful with him and Logan both this year. I tried to try not to burn either one of them with too many minutes and too many responsibilities. Of course, we had some great seniors who could do a lot of that dirty work. Uh, but those two guys were, were fantastic. And, but if you noticed at the end of games, I wanted Alex Williams on the floor. He's, he believes in himself. I mean, and I, I, I like a kid who's 6'4", six, six, 225 pounds, and can shoot it, pass it, dribble it. I, I, I think he's going to go under he, – he's going to go under-recruited because he's not that above-the-rim guy all the time, although he is pretty athletic. It's underrated. But uh, I, you are so dead on. I, I thought he was, he, he was the key for us. And I, I'm going to tell you, he had so many – we really went back and looked at our – we won a lot of games big, but games where we were really challenged and those were key moments in the game, Alex Williams was involved in many of the big plays as, as, as free Mormon McBride. Really good. Yeah, you mentioned Duncan and, and Williams, and you've, you've had many other guys in the past, younger guys that you, you're patient with and you bring them along a little slower because uh, you don't want to overburden them. The question I have is, in this era, how hard is it to keep, and maybe this is, goes to the way that you, you develop your program and bring guys in, how hard is it to keep guys that young happy uh, when we kind of are in an era where, well, if I didn't play this amount, you know, I'm going to go jump schools? Yeah, you know, it's really a good question. I. I know there are kids that have not come to Moeller because, you know, they were probably weren't going to play, you know, early on varsity. Uh, and, and that's probably a good choice for them because we, we probably wouldn't be a great pick for them if that's, if that's their primary thing. Um, and I, I tell kids that all the time. Uh, Miles McBride could have averaged 30 points a game wherever else he, he might have been. Miles is very content to average 14, 15 a game and, and play in three straight state championship games. I mean, and he got to do that. There, there aren't many people in the history of Ohio basketball who played in three Division One finals. Miles got to, but he 
and that trade-off was worth it to him. I, I, I agree with you. In today's culture, I don't know how, how many how many kids are, sadly, parents are, are willing to be patient and, 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 and trust the process. Yeah, I, and I've always, you know, you, you have been able to, to keep those, you know, guys, that, those younger guys that you can foresee being stars uh, in the future for you guys and being the guys that log the major minutes. You've been able to keep those guys uh, without maybe starting them sometimes or not playing 30 or 32 minutes. Yeah. And it's just been impressive how you've been able to do that. And, uh, but yeah, that, that 2019 season this past March ended uh, with Akron St. Vincent St. Mary's, who uh, was in their first year in Division One, um, obviously have Division One caliber players. Uh, but, you know, the, the thing that probably made you a little nervous is you played these guys uh, in early December and beat them 99-62. Championship game was anything but that. Yeah, it really was. And, and we knew that was coming. You know, we played them early in the year, and they had just come off. They had played in Chicago, and they who, who's the big powerhouse in Chicago every year? I, I think they played Simeon up there, didn't Simeon. they? It was. It was Simeon. They had played Simeon and lost in a really close game. Then they had played – or no, they actually beat Simeon. I think they beat Simeon. And then yeah, they, they – right. Yes. And, and, and then they come back. You know, they were the power team in Chicago. Then they came back and played Spire and lost to Spire. And, of course, that Spire team was ridiculously good. And uh, so that was like on a Tuesday night. Well, they come to us on a Saturday night, and – I just don't think they were that ready to play. I think sometimes how where games fit in schedule-wise and our guys were ready to play that night. It was a home game, and we just shot the ball great. So we ended up beating them by 36 points. And that was not indicative of, of the level of either team, but that was one of those nights where everything went right for us. So to be honest with you, as the tournament was unfolding, you know the one team I did not want to play in the finals, and we kept looking, saying who might it be. It was I, I did not want to play those guys because we had to sell our guys that that game was was not real. That that was, you know, nothing about that first game mattered. And then I knew they would be super locked in, and that's exactly what happened. And you know, I was proud of our guys because we we took their best shot. But when it came time to win or lose the game, I thought particularly in, in Miles and, and Freem, uh, I, I thought we really took the game over pretty impressively when it was time to do it. And it was fun watching those two seniors do what seniors do. And I thought I just thought they really took over the basketball game. Yeah, I, w- I would agree. Uh, Freem uh, ends up with 19, McBride 16, and uh, just a couple of winners right there. And, yes. Um, Seth Wilson was was able to keep uh, St. Yes. Vincent St. Mary's in it for for a while there, and then you guys executed down the stretch there to end up winning back to back state championships and doing that for the first time in Division One since two thousand five two thousand six, capping the year at twenty nine and zero, uh, just a phenomenal year. And uh, I know you have you, you lose Freeman McBride and and Ship. Uh, but you do have uh, a lot of guys back and a lot of young guys that uh, um, people probably don't know about yet that we'll get to uh, be familiar with uh, in this season. And we'll talk about that at some 
later point, but I did want to finish up with this coach. Um, you know, in an era where, you know, it's, and it's starting in the NBA and on down where, you know, teams are kind of trying to, you know, create these superpowers, whether it be an NBA college and, and even down into high school now, because the, the world, uh, figuratively has shrunk with social media. So the, these guys know each other, uh, better than they ever have, uh, you know, they talk all the time, whether it's text, social media, whatever may be the case. And I want to know, how is it that you guys have seemed to be able to stretch away, like away from the pack in the last maybe three or four years? And you guys have kind of separated yourself from even the elite division one teams. And, and I know you, you're a humble guy and you'll talk about the great players and all that, but I'm going to be honest with you. There's programs in division one, other programs that have great talent that never make it to Columbus. They never win state championships. It's not easy winning state championships, no matter how many great players you have, because the other team, they usually have great players too. How is it that you've done this? You know, I I appreciate the question. I I, I do think it starts and, and ends with players and we have been very blessed and we've had great buy-in. I think it's it's a combination of of uh, of those players, but but the culture that that our kids have created in our locker room that I think is a bit unique. And talk to other coaches and some of the problems that they deal with. We don't have to deal with that. The other thing I would want to say to you, Kurt, and I say this with no false humility here. It's it, it's really true. The coaching staff that we have here at Moeller is second to none. And I you know, I don't mean to run down any other coaching staff. And, and it's not me. You know, Kurt, I, I have a role. You know, I, I am at the, I'm at the head of our program, and I'm certainly in charge of, you know, who, who's in our basketball program and what the direction of our program is going to be. But my ego is not so big, and maybe that's my gift. I know there are guys on my staff that are smarter in basketball than I am. Uh, I know there are guys that have a unique ability to work with kids one-on-one. So I've got some coaches and I, you know, I, actually, you know, we've got five varsity coaches. We've got 12 total coaches in our program and they're incredible, but there's one guy in particular, Dan Jerkowitz. Danny is, uh, Danny's really over the last several years. And I think you've seen us even get better during that time has really taken over the schematic part of our team. And, I know most of the time people don't talk about what Moeller does scheme-wise, but both offensively and defensively, I think we've been pretty daggone impressive in terms of, of, of what we do schematically and Danny Jerkowitz. But all of our guys, he's not the only one that does it, but, but Danny really is taking the lead on that. He, he's, I've been around a lot of college coaches. I've been around a lot of uh, coaches on all different levels and great coaches. He, he's the best I've ever seen. His ability to sort of dissect the game and uh, some things that we're doing. You know, we're, we're, we're playing different now than we played 10 years ago. And we kind of change it every year based on our personnel. And he's taking the lead. And then Mike Sussley is such a heartbeat. He's, he's our skill development guy. He's constantly working on our guys and getting them better and, and driving all of our off season. So, so for me, I've been blessed. I've had great players, but maybe the most important part are, are the great coaches that we've had in our program. 
Yeah, I, I don't think that anybody uh, does a better job of taking away the opponent's strength uh, than you guys do. And uh, you mentioned scheming. I don't think anybody schemes better than you guys. It's, sometimes it's like you guys have scouted the opponent 20 times during the season, and maybe you have. Uh, we, but, we, we are pretty maniacal. We are pretty maniacal about scouting. But, yeah, I mean, it, it is definitely evident. And, uh, you know, what? what is the last question I want to ask you, what is it that um, drives the Moeller program? What what are what are your principles uh, for your players, uh, for a kid to play at Moeller? You know, we um, – Curtis, important to us, and I know it sounds corny, and I think some people roll their eyes. We do have four core values – we talk about them every day. Every kid gets indoctrinated with it when they come to our camps uh, as third, fourth, fifth, sixth graders. We, we talk about the core values. And when they get in the program, you know, we, we have meetings with every level that this is what we're going to be about. And, and we're going to judge ourselves. We're not going to judge ourselves on win-loss records. That will all take care of itself. It's going to be whether we – you know, our, our things are number one, a rate, and that's just a commitment to excellence. It's being the best, it's being as perfect as we can be in everything that we do. And when we try to really live by that, we're not, we're not going to take any shortcuts in any practice, any film session, any weight session. If we're doing it, we're doing it to the best of our ability. Or, or, or then we'll just take a day off, but we're not going to do anything halfway. And, uh, you know, we, we talk about team attitude, and that's a for me that's number one. We we put such an emphasis on getting over yourself. It's not about you, and if you want it to be about you, this isn't the right school for you. But if you want to be a part of something bigger, then, then you 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 will get a lot out of this program. We talk about being first class, and that's how the kids handle themselves, how they treat people. Uh, we want them to understand the. The great gift God has given them to be able to play high school basketball, and and what they need to do with that, and give it back to other people, and and, and be thankful for that. And then finally, we talk about that toughness thing, the true toughness, and what true toughness is. So uh, we try to build. That's no different, I'm sure, than any other program. But we really are committed to try to build around those core values and and, and make that a big part of everything that we do. Yeah, Coach, you know, I've, I've been watching your, your teams and your program for quite some time now, and, and those values, are, are it's not just a saying on the wall. Those values are true. I've seen it in action firsthand, and, um, you know, the results speak for themselves. But, uh, you know, Coach, you're, you're one of the best, and I know a lot of people, you know, around the state or wherever – you know, roll our eyes sometimes at, at programs like Moeller or, or St. Vincent St. Mary's or yeah. um, somewhere like that. But uh, I don't think they truly know the, the, the type of kids that you get and, and what you do with these kids and um, the buy-in you get from them, which is very, very rare in this day and age of, uh, of sports, athletics, or just, just even life in general, uh, jobs, whatever it may be. But uh, coach, you know, I appreciate you you taking the time. And who, who would have thought a, a kid uh, in 1978 from Castown, Miami <laughs> East, uh, would, would have five state titles at, uh, at Cincinnati Moeller? Yeah, you know, I, and I would tell you, I, I recognize how blessed I've been falling into the school that I fell for. I, uh, 
when I was an assistant, uh, Kurt, I, I applied as in 1988, I applied for the job at Sydney High School. They had a really good team at the time. They had some really good players. And that was kind of toward home. And I was teaching at Moeller, and I loved Moeller, and I wanted to be there forever. But I really wanted to be a head coach. And I didn't get that job. I was in the final two. And I was devastated because I didn't get that job. And I look back now, two years later, I got the Moeller job, right? And the timing was perfect. And um, so blessed that, that I really didn't get the Sydney job. And life is funny that way. But I I, I, I recognize just, just how, how many good things have gone our way. And But I'm also proud of what the kids and the coaches who have been in our program have built. Yeah, God's timing was perfect on that. Uh, and, uh, you know, you can look back some years later and just uh, see how it's all worked out. And, yes. Coach, man, we really appreciate the time and uh, hope we can do this again and uh, somewhere, somewhere down the road. Kurt, thank you. And, again, as I said earlier, just the fact that you're giving a lot of coaches around the state, I'm listening to your podcast, a chance to – to, to relive those days and you kind of keep those great Ohio basketball moments alive. I really appreciate what you're doing. Well, I appreciate it greatly, Coach. Thank you. You got it, man. All right. Good night, Kurt.